Good morning. Hey, I'm Tim Rogers, one of the pastors here as well, and I want to um, throw my voice in with Joel's and welcome you guys. Thanks for being here this morning. We're glad to have you on this, um, this new year. Hey, if that song was new to you that we just sang, this is a, a Grace Point original worship song um, written by and composed by and now performed by, if you will, our worship team. And so this is, uh, this is part of what they do. Um, I want to say thank you to Pastor Joel for covering for me last week. Our family was on vacation, and I was on vacation, um, so now we're back at it and, and ready to go. And, and um, the new year is on us, right? The new year is all around us, and with it comes um, all kinds of pushes for things like self-improvement and resolutions, as were brought up earlier today, and all kinds of things that help us grow to be better people. In fact, as a pastor, I'll tell you that I get um, all kinds of emails um, and um, information that comes my way that is trying to uh, push and promote uh, the new year in a way that's almost sickeningly positive. I don't know if any of you are like that, but you, I get this material and it's like, boy, we're taking on the new land, you know, everything is positive and there's going to be no fear going forward for us and, and everything is bright and sunny and the reality is we just flip from one day to the next, right? I mean, it's, no one has New Year's resolutions. No one has um, New July resolutions, do they? Uh, they don't exist, do they? So here's the reality, that we are in a new year, yes, and with that comes resolutions, yes, and comes self-improvement, yes, and it's a time, a normal time for all of us to look at where we are and what we can do better and goals to set and all that, and that's good, and that's fair. But we also know this, right, that life isn't always going to be cheery. And there's going to be a lot of unknown challenges this year and unknown joys this year as well. And I'm, I'm brought back to a guy named Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, and he wrote to us essentially this. He said, hey, if you can take satisfaction out of the day, today, just today, consider that a gift from God. Consider that a gift. Life is hard. Life can be great. But if you can find satisfaction in what you do today... That is God's interaction in your life. It's his gift to you. Enjoy it. Happy New Year. I found myself this year reflecting for the first time in a new position, and that is a position of being able to look back over, over now 10 years of ministry at Grace Point Church. I began in March of 10 years ago, uh, of 03, so technically it's not quite 10 years for those who really are technical to the date, but give me two months of grace period and we'll be there, okay? So, so I now have um, the privilege of looking back 10 years, and to be honest, it says more about you than about me and your ability to, uh, to persevere and your patience and your grace in, in our ministry and in our connections with you. We've been blessed to be here, and I tell you, I um, was sitting just a few rows over here during a members meeting in uh, October and November of this past year. And um, I think it was Rob Byler, one of our deacons, asked me if I had any thoughts. And what I said at the moment, because there was just maybe one of two of you who weren't here that night, um, I said, um, this is the most encouraged, probably the most encouraged I've ever been in ministry right now, where we are. And I'll tell you why that is, and that is as I look back on what Grace Point has been able to do in the last couple of years, what we've come through in the years prior to that and where we are now and what God has graced us with, I have probably never been more encouraged with the vitality and the life and the energy that I see among you. The willingness primarily to serve in such strategic ways. From the great send-off of 2011 into the Together 2012 of last year, 
when we look around and we threw out what in the world can we do for our community, you review then, you stop now to think, and this is what I did this past week, I stopped and I stepped back to review a little bit of where we've been, to think that this congregation partnered with Keystone and three other organizations, the factory, Pequot Valley, and the township. Together we were able to, to clean all the roads in the township. 62 miles of roads, done. We were able to do tutoring at the elementary school during the summer session, done. We were able to do cooking classes and begin to connect in relationship with people that we didn't have relationships with before, that led to other classes, that led to other relationships, done. We were able to renovate the old Paradise Elementary with the help of other people that now the factory ministries can use that for their open door nights on Monday and Thursday, a pretty significant project, done able to start, at least, the construction of a building for new food ministries in the Paradise area. You see that now when you drive by the factory premises. That, the structure, the outside structure is up. We're still waiting to finish the interior. But the outside, a new building has been built. Why? Because of your service. Because of your life and your vitality. And your belief that God is not done with this place yet. The Getting Ahead workshops that the factory is able to do were funded originally by Grace Point Ministries, by the Missions Fund here at GPC. To have about a dozen men and women go through that program and, and, and interact with each other, relate to one another, and now some of those are now even sitting among us here this morning who have connected with us as a family here at Grace Point and are, and are walking in new ways spiritually with God in ways that I look at and I say, this happens because of your willingness to serve sacrificially and intentionally. And this is why I say I've never been more encouraged than I am now in ministry here at Grace Point going forward. So for me, it is a good new year. I'm enthused, and I, and I, and I look back on, on all the other things that we've done too, the men's ministry, the women's ministry. In fact, there's a women's ministry event starting up Tuesday night for those women who don't know about that, a new thing going on there. The junior high, the high school, the elementary, the blast programs, um, all of these things, small groups were a big part of what we did this past year as well. Um, your service projects to Philly, to the Gain Warehouse, and all of that. Some of you had kids this year. You didn't have kids last year. You had, all of a sudden, there's people, little people sitting near you and throwing up on you, and where'd they come from? Uh, some of you have dedicated your children. Some of you got married. Almost all of you got married this year, it felt like. A lot of, you, a lot of marriages this year. Um, for some reason, it was great. So there's a lot of new life and vitality with that. Um, we're, just, we're just blessed to be in this place together and doing this together. And, and we are now standing before you, I'm standing before you, in, in a way just to, to thank you for partnering with us and in contributing in your way in service and vitality. And I also want to stand up here this morning on the this Sunday that is typically for me a State of the Union address for the church, if you will. Where have we been? Where are we going? Um, and I, and I, wa- I want to speak to that to some degree, but I want to come at it a little bit differently than most times I do this. And that is, I don't want to give you a, a rah-rah, pump-it-up kind of speech, and here's the clear vision for where we're going next year. We do have some things in mind, one of which I want to tell you, and that is we're looking to essentially mature our focus, our missions focus this year, where we're going to bring some ideas from the great send-off of 2011 and together 2012 and kind of merge them into a sustainable framework for 2013 going forward. I'm trying to talk like a politician. Use big words that no one understands so we can all think we're doing something. No, truly, we're looking to, we're looking to have some, at least two to three international missions teams a year 
that will be a normal part of the structure at Grace Point Church and what we do. We want to spread out our initiatives, our local initiatives from summertime across the calendar to have at least four to six local initiatives that you can connect with throughout the year, not just in the summertime. We also want to have a a primary initiative um, in the summertime that would be at this point, kind of spun around the Paradise Run, Ride, and Walk event, somewhere in the tune of around $25,000 project that, again, we would take on as a continual part of what we do at Grace Point and in the partnerships that we have and are developing around us here in this community. So we're looking to, 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 to say this will be the new normal. Regular international trips, regular consistent local initiatives and partnership with Peca Valley and the township across the year and a regular big push somewhere in the summertime that will not just be us, but will be partner churches and partner organizations in which we're going to come and rally around the common good in this area. I'm excited about that. We don't know all of what that means yet and looks like, but we didn't know all of what Together 2012 looked like either, and we just went for it. And so this is what I value about where we're at. So all that to say, I could come here this morning and we could talk about things like that and, and let you leave encouraged, and, and, and I hope you do leave encouraged, <clears throat> but I, I could just come up there and, and give to you this great speech about where we're going and what's happening. And, and, I, and I hope you feel that strength of vitality as well. But what I want to speak to this morning, primarily is this, uh, is not just what we're doing um, as a church, not just what we do, but really how we do it. I want to speak to the spirit of how we interact with one another and the spirit of how we interact in this community. So here's the bonus part about that that if you have never been to Grace Point Church before, this is your first time or you're listening online to this, and you could care less about what we're doing after this is you don't plan to come back and you never plan to listen to this message again in your life, here's the bonus. It doesn't matter. This, is, this can work, what we're going to talk about this morning, can work in any context you find yourself. This can work if you're dating somebody and you don't know why things aren't working. This can work in your employment if you're a boss and you're trying to hire people. This can work in your family if you're facing a sickness you don't know how to process that. This can work in your marriage if things are kind of rocky right now. This can work in your finances if you don't have quite enough money to cover wherever. What we're going to talk about that is the how do we do what we do. What kind of character are we developing within ourselves. This can work across the board. Now, I hope it works for us as a church, and I think it already is. But this is what I want to come to. And, and what I want to do this morning is I want, to, I want to interact with you on some advice that the smartest person in the world before Jesus gave to his son in particular that he wanted to pass on to his children. I'm speaking of King Solomon. King Solomon, even if you're not a Bible person, even if you don't believe that the Bible is true and authoritative, even if you don't believe that, when you hear the name Solomon, immediately you think of wisdom. His name is still attributed to that quality. He is a, a man who is known historically as one of the wisest, if not the wisest men who has ever walked this planet. And that's attributed to him because he had, if you remember the story in the Bible, there were uh, two women who came claiming that they had this one particular child. And in that moment, he said, bring me a sword and we'll cut the child in two. And the, the mother who was really the mother of the child said, no, you take the child. And to which he understood that if that happens, then the child must be the one who would rather give up her son than to see him be harmed. 
And these stories are told of Solomon's wisdom and his insight, his tact, his wisdom. And so I want to get into his brain. Who wouldn't want that? Because what Solomon is going to say to his sons is really a lot of what we get after in the new year anyway. What he's going to say to his sons is kind of what we are inclined to right now in this season as it stands. When Greg asked you earlier, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? I looked around too. I think I, like him, saw three or four of you. And the reason we don't do this is because we know that by and large they don't really work. There was a study done in 2007, I believe it was, of 3,000 participants, which found that 88% of people who make New Year's resolutions fail. It's almost a 90% failure rate. We don't really ultimately believe in that. It just doesn't work because there's nothing magical about that. But there is something powerful. There is something significant about reflecting on who I am, not just what I do. And that's what I want to do with you this morning. Reflect on who we are and who you are in the new year, using the wisdom of Solomon as our guide. So, if you have your Bible, I'd invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's one near you. It's almost right in the middle of your Bible. You can just flip that Bible right open and you'll probably find the Psalms. And then you just go to the right a little bit and you'll find Proverbs. If you, have a, if you don't have a Bible, then find a pew Bible near you. I'll also give you the page numbers there. It's page 618 or 512. 618 or 512. And by the way, if you don't own a Bible and you're picking up a pew Bible to find Proverbs, consider that Bible our New Year's gift to you. We didn't wrap it for you. We're sorry about that. But enjoy that. Take that Bible home with you if you would like to. And uh, engage that and find So we say the life of God within those pages, okay? Proverbs chapter 3. Solomon is speaking to his son in particular. And here's what he says in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. All right. Let's stop that right there. My son... Keep my commands. Keep my commands. Don't forget my teaching. And keep my commands in your what? iPad. No, no, no. Keep your commands where? In your heart. In your heart. So these commands, whatever these commands are going to be, I want you to internalize them. I want you to bring them into the inner part of who you are, into your heart. And then what does he say about them? Verse 2. He says, for they will what? Prolong your what? Life. For a couple years, many years. And bring you what? Prosperity. Okay, now what if I told you that the smartest man in the world made a product that would make you live longer and be more prosperous? Would you be interested in my sales pitch? Depends on if I was on TV or not, right? Would you be interested if the smartest man in the world, the, the known, the man who, who is well known as the man with the greatest wisdom says, hey, I have something here that I want you to know and, and keep this in your heart because if you do, your life will be prolonged many years and you'll, you'll experience prosperity. 
Now, who doesn't want that in the new year? Isn't this what the new year is for? Let's be happier. Let's be better. Let's be stronger. Let's be smarter. Let's be smoother. Let's be quicker. Let's be more efficient. Let's just be better in the new year. And Solomon says this. Now, what is he really saying? Okay, he said, let, let your, life, well, your life be prolonged many years. And then he says that you can have prosperity. We need to talk about that for a minute, okay? When you think of prosperity, what do you think of? You can answer this one. I know I don't, I don't always give you a chance. I do want you to respond to this one, though. When you think of prosperity, what do you think of? Money. Absolutely. Money. I think of money. Is this what Solomon is saying? Here's the deal, guys. If you do this, you'll make more money in 2013. Now, the word that is used here for prosperity is the Hebrew word shalom, which means what? Many of you know that. Peace. Which means peace. We translate it peace, but it also means this. It's, it's the, the Hebrew word that, that most fully carries this idea of wholeness and fullness of life. The assumption behind shalom is this, that something is broken, and when you fix it, when you restore it, when it comes back to the way it's meant to be, you've experienced shalom. So put it this way. You start dating this girl or this guy, and things are going well, right? And, and after a while, you talk about engagement, and you're all googly-eyed, and you get engaged, and you get married, you have a honeymoon, and life is great, and then... Ten years later, you have a couple of kids, and you wonder who in the world they are, and someone comes up to you and says, listen, you guys, you guys, I need you been changing diapers forever, or you've been getting pooped on and thrown up on and spit on and all that stuff, you can't even have a conversation not being interrupted anymore, and all that time that you used to have just kind of being you and no one else in the world, just you, that's gone right now, we'll take the kids. You guys go out, and listen, we have set up a night for you that you are free from worry. We have paid the bill, and we have set up the environment. You're going to be overlooking Niagara Falls, right? Okay, maybe not. You're going to be overlooking this little stream in Lancaster County. You're going to have candlelight dinner set up. You're going to have a little violin in the background. There's going to be no one else in the restaurant. And you're going to have what you really want to eat. And you have all the time in the world to connect again and look across the table and see that guy that you fell in love with and see that girl that you fell in love with. And when you do that, in comparison to your 2 a.m. wake-up call because someone barfed. You are going to experience that night shalom, peace, fullness of life. This is what it used to be like. This is shalom, the bringing together of what should be right in the world. We experience this Whenever we get a a deal in our business, we come to the end of a a deal we're trying to broker or sale we're trying to make or a contract we're trying to win and we fought hard for it and we finally get it. And not only do we get it, but we also implement well, we execute well, we, we service the client well. And on the back end of that, we have a very meaningful grateful conversation with a client in which they say, we're so glad that we went with you. You have served us so well from beginning to end. And we couldn't have imagined anyone doing it better. 
Well done. Thank you for serving us. Shalom. Fullness. Satisfaction. We feel like the world is right. You've experienced this when your coach or your teacher has come up to you and said, hey, I know that you seem discouraged right now, but let me tell you, you have incredible talent. The way that you sang, the way that you played, the way that you wrote was incredible. We think you have all kinds of potential in the world. And all of a sudden, something within your heart kind of fills up and you feel full of shalom and life. And so here's what Solomon is saying. That these words, these commands will bring to you a longevity of life and this peace, this fullness, this shalom, this prosperity of life. And so if that's true, what are these commands? What is this product that he's selling? What is it that the smartest man in the world knows that I don't know? Because if there is something that exists like that, I'm buying. Tell me what it is and where I sign up. Truth be told, what the product is, in this case, is in many ways to look at is kind of the rest of Proverbs. But here's what is very interesting. What's very interesting is where Solomon goes next. Because if it were me, I would think that the way to do that, the way to create prosperity and a fullness and a peace of life... Here's what you do. You get a plan. Get, get a plan, number one. You just get a plan. Get a plan and you, you go to school or you go to work and you just ex- succeed and excel. Work hard and that's part of the plan. Um, strategize, that's part of the plan. Leverage your influence, that's part of the plan. And, just get, and then once you kind of control enough things, then you can get to a place where you're prosperous. Right then, then once you get the cabin, then you're prosperous. Once you get a new car, then then you can be prosperous. And just once you get married, then you can be prosperous and full. So just kind of come up with a a plan and a, an idea and work hard and do it. But it's not what Solomon says. It's not where he goes. Where he goes is a little bit surprising. Where he goes is verse three. And four. And this is the first thing on his mind. All right, this is the first thing on the smartest man in the world's mind. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. That's it. That's it. That's the product he's selling. This is the smartest man in the world. You want to live a little longer? You want, you want to have your, your life be prolonged? You want to have the fullness and shalom of life? Let love and faithfulness Never leave you. Then he explains it. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. All right, all right. Let's talk seriously about this for a minute. Um, Is that it? Can you remember the last time? Man, let me talk to you for a minute. Can you remember the last time that we sat around... um, Watching football or, or eating wings or changing diapers together, you know, whatever we do. And said, man, you being loving and faithful? Yeah, I really am. I'm being so loving and faithful this week. I mean, this season is just full of love and faithfulness. How about you, brother? Oh, yeah. I, loving. I'm so loving right now. I'm just feeling the love. This is what we talk about, isn't it? Yeah, baby. 
We don't talk like that. No one talks like that, especially not men. Are you kidding me? Love and faith. These are like feminine words. We don't even know how to pronounce love. But here's what Psalm is. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Seriously? No, no, no. We work hard with integrity and character. We're strong. And even when we're weak, we're strong in that too. So let, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Ah, Solomon, what are you talking about? Okay, here's what he's saying. Here's the reality. Love is an incredibly courageous choice to say this, that what I want will wait until you get what you want. Love is this choice to say, what I want is going to wait until we process, until we serve what you want. Wait, no, no, wait. But, uh, okay, so you're saying that I should open the door for women. Yeah, okay, right. And I should get in line at the end of the line. Yes, let ladies go first. Is that love? Sure. No, wait, you're saying that when I am thinking about myself, you're saying that love means that I, even though I could kind of push for a little bit more within that contract, if I know that there's someone who needs that more, my employee needs a little more bonus, that I should actually pass on some of the large corporate benefit to my employee, even though I need right now to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That love says what I need, what I think I want, is going to wait, is going to wait until we deal with and we serve you and what you want. Now, the problem is we think, well, who's going to take care of me? I mean, how long is it going to take to serve you? Because in that time, I might go bankrupt. And if I don't take care of me, if I don't look out for me, then who is going to look out for me? But this is love, and this is why it is a courageous act, not a weak, effeminate act. But it is a courageous act to say, listen, I'm going to be man enough, and I'm going to be woman enough to say, what you want is going to lead the way. What you need is going to lead the way, and what I think I want, what I think I need is going to come right behind that, which leaves all kinds of problems for us, because what about me? But what if I don't have time left for me? But what if I don't have energy left for me? But i you got, I got to take care of myself. And love says that even though I need what I need when I think I need it, I'm going to make that choice to say what you need, what you want. I'm going to listen to first. And faithfulness, you know what faithfulness is. It is what the word sounds like it is. It means that I'm always going to be there for you. So I'm always going to do this. I'm always going to make that choice. I'm always going to make the choice to put you before me. And what happens when that happens? Solomon says in verse 4, you will have a good name before God and man. In other words, your reputation will grow. Your reputation will be strong. So here's what I see happening. As I look around in this last year, and I look at things that our church body has done as a whole, you look back on one really interesting example of replacing the roof on the Girl Scout building at Paradise Park. When we began that conversation with the township, they were nervous about losing that building and $8,000 was not in their budget. They didn't have it. And we said, what if we provided the labor and you provide the material? 
So we do that, and we say, we don't know if we can do it, but we're going to put your needs above ours. We're going to find the people to do that. Our guys do that. I don't know if there were ladies there or not. I, I wasn't at that event. We had some, some people there, representation there, who replaced that roof. What happened then, when the local businesses heard that the township was going to have people there to volunteer labor, they donated materials. So now materials are donated, and the uh, roof is donated. And then, as some of you know, there was a, a local man who came by and looked at the township uh, Girl Scout building and said, man, beautiful roof, ugly paint job. I'll paint the thing for you for free. It's on me. They get a new paint job. Now, what many of you don't know is that the story continues to grow. And now, as I talked with the township just a couple of weeks ago, there was someone who was inside that building and said, man, the inside looks bad. The outside looks good. Let's take care of the inside for you. So now, all of a sudden, we have, within the context of Grace Point Church and others in this community saying, what you need is more important than what we need. We have this, this work for the common good, where when I call the township now and say, hey, Dennis, I'm talking to Dennis in particular, we need to be talking about what can we do together in 2013. I can tell you that the anticipation and the hope in his voice is strong. When he thinks about what Grace Point Church and Keystone and others have done with and for him. Why? Because when you step in with love and faithfulness, you gain a good name before God and men. You wouldn't know this unless I tell you. I'm, I talked to a, a, um, a school, a Pequot Valley school official this week on the phone. And, and as I did, we got to the end of our business that we had to conduct. And on the phone, then, then um, they said to me, you know, um, can I ask you to pray for me? I said, I'll tell you why. Because I've heard about what your church is doing in the community, and I really respect that, and I wonder if you could pray for me on this issue. What happens when you step in with love and faithfulness is people begin to trust you. The credibility is stronger. Some of you even now this morning who are here this year and weren't here last year, you're here for a variety of reasons. Some of you are still kind of visiting, and others are starting to land here. And some of you are here because you want to be involved in a church that is doing something. Others are here because you're like, man, they, they serve food on Friday nights in the park. That was awesome. They do cooking classes. That was awesome. They provide this material. They must actually care. Wow, what if they do? What if there's people in the world who actually care, who put others first? And do it faithfully. What if those people exist? And you're here now this morning because of that. Others who are not even here and who may never come in this, these doors, and you wouldn't know this again unless I tell you. But another family in the community just this past month contacted me and talked to me about the, uh, the struggles with their home being foreclosed on. Their marriage falling apart, their car being repossessed, and all kinds of things that they're dealing with. And why do they call Grace Point Church? Because there's something about them that believes that people here might actually care about them. Why? Because when you serve strategically, we show love, and when we do it faith fully, consistently, as Solomon says, you gain a good name with God and man. I want you to imagine for a minute, what, what would it look like for you 
individually now, individually. If you were going forward in 2013 to take this concept into your school, to those people who you look at and you're like, man, I cannot stand them, I cannot handle them, I, I just struggle with them so badly, I just wish that you know, I was in a different class than them, I wish I was in a different grade than them, I wish I was just in a different place. What if, what if you began applying this principle to them? And that is, what they want or what they need is going to come before what I think I need, and I'm going to live that way consistently. And what if, as an employer, you began looking at your employees or continued looking at them and said, you know what, our company is struggling right now, and financially it doesn't make sense to keep as many as we have. It doesn't even make sense to increase wages. But what if, what if, because we want to be loving and think about their needs first, what if we begin to make corporate decisions based on loving and doing that faithfully? What do you think would happen? You can imagine what would happen. I don't know that I've ever met anybody who has come on the, the backside of things and said, you know what, I, I dumped that guy, I dumped that girl because they were just too loving and faithful. They just, they just cared so much for so long and so clearly that I had enough. And I don't know of any kid who's ever come back when they've been grown up and they've, they come back to mom and dad and they said, mom and dad, I just really resent you because you were always there for me. That just bothered me. I mean, why couldn't you not care some? That would have been great. I, mean, I don't know of any employer who's ever said to an employee, listen, you need to come in for an annual review. You, are, you, you just care too much. People are annoyed by your caring. And you, you show up all the time. You're faithful every day. You need, to, you need to stop that. There is no such thing as too much love and too much faithfulness. There's nothing like that. What would it look like? For us, individually, corporately, to continue to step in and say, listen, your needs, your story, your life comes first. And ours comes right behind that. And to do that faithfully. What would that look like? One thing I'd like to offer to us to think about. As we walk forward, we're going to be having on February 9th, Saturday morning till afternoon. It's a full day, so it's a commitment. And we're asking uh, $20 for it as well, by the way. But here's what we're doing. On February 9th, we're going to be led, um, uh, Chuck Holt, director of the Factory Ministries, is going to lead a, um, a training seminar for us as a church body. We're going to invite other churches to it as well. The training seminar is called Bridges Out of Poverty. You may never have heard of that. You may have heard of it and kind of read it in the bulletin and thought, yeah, big deal. But here's the thing. If we are going to, if we are going to love well, and if we are going to put others who, who um, are, live around us and are near us, we're going to put others first and do it faithfully, then we need to understand where we live and who we live with. We need to understand what it looks like to move out of poverty and even what in the world poverty is compared to middle class compared to upper class. We need to understand. So one thing for us as a church body to do together, to be loving, to be faithful, consider being a part of that February 9th from 8 to 4. Here's what we like to say at GPC. It's on the front of your bulletin. Every story matters. Every story matters. And this is the essence of Solomon's commendation. Every story matters. 
Let love and faithfulness be etched in your heart so that whatever you do, whatever you do in 2013, whatever the challenges and joys, whatever, whatever in the world it is, whatever it is, is done with this courage to put somebody else first and to do that consistently. And that, when I look back on 10 years at Grace Point Church, that is what most excites me, makes me enthused about the spirit and mission and service of you and what God has graced us to do. Every story matters. Let love and faithfulness never leave us. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful this morning again for a chance to be in your word and to learn and grow together. We're grateful for the great wisdom of Solomon, the simple things that many of us have known since kindergarten that we need reminded of that love and faithfulness should guide our minds and our hearts as we step into 2013, as we step into relationships with people near us, into work and family and school relationships, that we can think consistently of the other person first. That we can think consistently in service and understand that everybody's story matters. Everybody's. And that we love because you love us. Father, we thank you. We thank you that this love is really an extension of your grace to us. And that that grace, as this final song is going to say, is enough for us. This grace is enough. That your love is great, your justice is great, and you, Father, have extended so much grace and so much love to us. Help us to courageously offer that to those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name.